1: Morning everybody. Happy first day of the summer holidays. Welcome to a slightly shorter news agenda this morning with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Mirror's political editor, John Stevens. Morning, John. Hey, morning, Susie. Um, And this is the People's Paper review, so get into the comments, ask us your questions. We'll do our best to answer them for you. Those of you listening later on podcasts will just have to make everything wet and hope you survive. So what have we got for you today? Well, the mirror has splashed on wildfires rampaging through roads, sending tourists running for the beaches and foreign office teams to the airport to repatriate all those whose passports have burned to a crisp. 19,000 people have been evacuated and much of the island is choked by smoke, which in itself presents a huge risk to health. Now, John, they do get wildfires every summer on roads, but these are more massive, more disruptive, more widespread, and they're causing it massive economic hit as well aren't they
0: yeah i mean it sounds absolutely terrifying for the people being caught up in it there's tales from people in today's paper there's people all over the radio and tv talking about how they've just been sat in their hotels having a lovely time everyone's been told don't panic it's absolutely fine we get wildfires it's all okay and then suddenly the fires have come very close to them, <laughs> and they've had to suddenly pick up their stuff or what they can grab, run in their bikinis to wherever they think they can get to in safety. And I one of the problems has been if you're in a strange country, if you're in an island, you're not quite sure where is the best place to you go. Do you just run down to the sea? Do you try and run to a different town? And it just sounds absolutely horrific. The idea of trying to lug some kids and a load of luggage around in the absolute blistering heat, forgetting the fires, even before the fires, absolutely boiling temperatures. You wouldn't want to walk that far. But to suddenly to be walking, not really know where you're going, just kind of go in some direction with the ash, with the smoke, with the panic, with the crying children just sounds like an absolute nightmare.
1: Well, there's some of the stuff in the paper. The people are also describing almost apocalyptic scenes. So there's one I'll read you out. Is Michael Stokes from South Wales on holiday with two sons and his partner. He says they were sitting by the pool and the fire began lapping at the hotel, having been told to stay put. Um, they went down to the beach and he said, I had my five-year-old on my shoulders with a wet towel on his head to try and get him through the smoke. My son and I had to walk for probably 10 miles in blistering heat with no idea where we were going. We're now at another hotel 15 miles away. There's people laid on the floor like an apocalypse movie. I mean, it's the kind of thing where if you're already struggling with the heat, having the smoke as well is going to make it so much worse. Some people who are being evacuated have had to go to hospital to deal with it. Um, and, you know, the normal fires that you would get on these holiday islands well, homes to some people, but holiday islands for us, um are small things that the the local fire service can cope with. But they're just not able to cope with this. There's someone in here, John, saying that you know we saw helicopters and planes just dumping water on on the fires like it was a war movie.
0: Yeah, and it's really confusing, knowing what to do. If you've booked a holiday, if you've saved up loads of money, this you know selling the school holidays, you've got your expensive trip booked, it's been confusing to know what to do because it hasn't affected all of roads, it's only been certain parts but obviously it's got a lot worse in the last couple of days and some of the information people, they've rung up their tour operator, they've rung up the hotel they've meant to be going to and they've been telling them oh it's absolutely fine, it's okay, no don't worry, it's absolutely okay and then they get there and obviously the fire's have got a lot worse. And now it's not just roads. There's been fires now on Corfu as well. And so if you've got holiday booked in the next couple of weeks to somewhere else, maybe to Creep, maybe to Corfu, maybe to Rhodes, it is confusing knowing what to do. And the government advice at the moment is still that you can go ahead way with your get go ahead with your holiday. But I think some would be wondering: well, if I do cancel it now, will I get a refund? You know, will mm-hmm. I be able to go somewhere else? And it just seems there isn't that much information out there for customers at the moment. Exactly.
1: There's people on Twitter today saying, look, my, 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 I've paid a deposit, but the full balance is due. If I don't pay it, I, there's going to be sort of some kind of action taken against me. What do I do? And am not really getting much response. I think some of, some of the, the companies themselves don't really know how to deal with it. They don't want to take the economic hit of, of giving people their money back. Um, but by the same token, you know, some, some places aren't too bad, are they? Um, now... Temperatures of 45 degrees centigrade are forecast coming up Um, and the firefighters are struggling to cope. There are seven new areas of roads that are at risk of fires today. The Mirror has um, spoken about some of these tourists who've got these problems. Now, for those of you who might think this is part of the climate hoax, and everyone's just being too snowflakey and getting all upset about things. Our environment editor, uh, Nada Fahud, has got an explainer in the <laughs> paper. In the 1980s, the planet was half a degree hotter than before the Industrial Revolution. And Europe had five to seven days of heat wave each year. Five to seven days. Um, they are now looking at bursting through the 1.5 degree limit, which was set by scientists for avoiding the worst consequences. That's three times as hot. And it will mean, well, not as hot, three times an increase in the heat. And that will mean heat waves that last three times as long and severe ones we used to see once a century will be once every five years. And, John, this isn't just um, what we've seen on Twitter. People saying, you know, hot countries are hot. So what? get over it. They're hotter for longer, aren't they? And that's creating the far worse impacts that we are noticing in everything here.
0: Yeah, and the amazing thing of the last couple of days has been there's been a debate that uh, I think we're going to go on to talk about about politics in the UK and whether. Uh, different political parties should go ahead with their green policies and that has kind of been right next to on the front pages these pictures as we're showing on the screen now of these fires taking place in places like Rhodes. and one of the fascinating things last night was this in Radio. there was this woman she was telling this tale about how she'd been in a hotel it'd been fine then they'd run to the beach then the flames had got worse and they'd have to go somewhere else. And they were one of the ones lugging their luggage around. And then eventually she was able to go back to their hotel to pick up some of their stuff. And she found that the whole surrounding of the hotel was burnt at the children's club that her children had been playing in was burnt to a crisp, just kind of, uh, Ash left and then the radio presenter said to her and what do you think about climate change and she was like oh I don't really believe in that and no. so it is, <laughs> um,
1: oh, god
0: it is just the kind of two things in the news at the same time and um i think there are going to be a lot of questions about the effect that climate change has had on these wildfires that obviously have existed before they have happened in places like roads uh but they obviously seem to be much worse at the moment i think people need to explain why exactly that is
1: yes yeah, astonishing isn't it it's really ironic that people are being evacuated by plane, from fires that began because of global warming, much of which has been driven by global travel and so on, aviation. Um, It's a bit like people, the thing that worries up most in the whole world, people sitting in their cars with the engine on in order to have the air conditioning running because it's so hot outside, when the reason it's hot outside is because you've got your engine on, your screaming bag of things that rhyme with ticks. People just don't, they don't seem to get... That the, People are very, very keen to say it's China's fault, this is someone else's fault. Steve says, have you mentioned arrests have been made for arson? No, we haven't. But now we have, Steve. And so what? Because if the place wasn't so bloody hot and dry, the arson could have been put out. Right. We had people arrested for arson in various bits of wildfires that we've had in the UK. But the reason they take hold and the reason they spread so far and the reason they threaten life and cause firefighters massive problems is because the ground is so dry and the rocks are so hot and there's so little water around. You always have arsonists. Yes. But you don't always have the problems that we've got at the moment. Now, what do you think, everybody? Do you think this is just one of those things? This is just. Roads being roads, Greece is being Greece. What do you expect in summer in the Med? It's going to be hot. Or do you think this is serious? Do you think the way we're dealing with it perhaps is wrong? I don't know. But I mean, our backstage producer mentioned to me before we, we came on air this morning that, you know, when the tourists get affected by this, it becomes a huge story in the paper. When this happens just because it's the Greeks or there are people fleeing from Africa to Greece because Greece is still better than where they came from, where the climate change is even worse. And it's a desert. uh, That somehow is a massive issue and we don't like those people. But when the tourists get caught up in it, we have a big to do. What do you think, everyone? Now, for anyone who... um, who wants to sort of know a bit more about it. has written a huge column in the paper today, our environment editor. And in it, she says, look, 1% of scientists, just 1% think that this is fine. The other 99% of scientists go, no, there is a massive problem. This is no longer really a debate in the scientific community in the way it's been in the past. This is arrived at um, orthodoxy. All seven of Earth's continents have experienced extraordinary weather events this month alone. And the Earth as a whole has recorded days of several days of record breaking hottest ever temperatures. I think it broke, you know, the the record for its hottest ever temperature on the Monday and then broke it again on the Tuesday sort of thing. And Nada talks, she's got a great phrase, double barreled dinosaurs like Jacob Rees-Mogg and Julia Hartley Brewer, who are banging on about the heat wave of 1976 and how they just don't get it. The heat wave of 1976, John, I don't know if you were around for it or not. It was before I was born, so you probably weren't. But it was (laughs) the last century, and it was about uh, 10 days, which is rather different than what we're getting now. Um, But there are, like you say, there are a lot of people who are strangely okay with this, aren't there? And a lot of them are in politics.
0: That was a question. Sorry. yeah, and obviously it is now <laughs> a big political issue again, uh, partly because of that by-election that took place in Uxbridge. We thought that that might be a seat that Labour might take. It's where Boris Johnson had been the MP, obviously had to stand down over his party gate lies. In the end, the Tories managed to hold on to it by 500 votes, and a lot of the campaigners in that seat in the last couple of weeks had said that the issue that kept coming up on the door with voters was this ultra-low emission zone, which is if you drive into parts of London at the moment and you've got a heavily polluting vehicle, maybe you've got an older petrol or diesel car, then you have to pay a £12.50 a day charge. And then from the end of next month, that zone where you have to pay that charge is going to expand. So it's going to cover lots of the suburbs of London. And that is quite controversial. But then the big question is, well... Just because it's unpopular, does that mean you should get rid of it or at the moment what some people in Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London's office, think that at the moment there's this fear of you, Les, but actually when it comes in next month, people will realise that it only applies to one in 10 cars and most people won't have to pay it and that actually all this negativity about the policy will go away. But I think that whatever happens, whether they decide to go ahead with that policy or get rid of it, people are going to need more help to get rid of some of these polluting vehicles, that if you are on a low income and you do happen to have a car that does pollute a lot, maybe you do need some help to kind of get rid of that car and buy a more environmentally friendly car instead.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely the scrappage schemes are definitely a little bit poor, aren't they? But that's because the government hasn't given steep Khan the money to do a decent scrappage scheme. And also because I think partly people are looking at things like ULEZ or any other sort of green levies and saying well look i'm having to pay for something that i can't even see i can't even see what i'm gaining from it but what you what you're gaining is clean air in the case of you there's a 20 percent drop in your chance of getting a stroke less cases of alzheimer's fewer cases of cancer all the rest of it but you can't see those things you can't substantiate them very easily um and so people don't really see that look by paying 12 pound 50 or having to get a better car i am gonna live longer and other people are gonna live longer too they're just seeing it as a tax and It is one you don't have to pay. You can get the bus. Um, Now, the question here, I suppose, then, is why both our major political parties are sort of fighting to ditch the green policies. We've had the thing in Uxbridge. um, But what do you think, everybody? Do you think Labour and Tories should be abandoning this and it's a complete waste of time? Graham on Twitter says net zero is a scam. Net zero is supposed to be 2050, Graham, and it looks like that is probably going to be too damn far away. Um, So Keir Starmer has blamed the ultra low emission zone for losing Uxbridge. And as a result of that, Rishi Sunak is being urged to dump various bits of uh, green policies as well because it's too expensive and the voters won't wear it. But John's surveys show that more than 80% of people support climate-saving policies. Last year, in this country alone, we had people washed out of their homes and people whose back gardens caught fire in the heat. So how does this work politically? Is, is this how they go? Who's going to vote in large enough numbers? I mean, it might appeal to a base, but is it is it going to work across a, a big enough sector of society that anyone is going to benefit by saying we're not gonna be environmentally friendly?
0: Yeah, I think there is a specific issue on making things affordable for people and having concerns about the cost of living and whether people are able to make changes to their lives and at the moment once people are struggling to expect them to get different vehicles obviously people do need help with that, if you're going to expect people to replace their gas boilers with these heat pumps, we know they're massively expensive, there is a specific issue that people do actually need help if they're going to make these changes but If you do provide that help, then people are in favour of these changes. And I think that the idea that just after Oxbridge, all the parties should just get rid of all their green policies and say, never mind, that's clearly not going to appeal to voters. And that particularly in a lot of those seats around the southeast that we know are now back in play. You've got the Lib Dems nipping at the heels of the Tories at places in the Shire counties, in places like Surrey, the idea that the Tories can just ditch all these policies wholesale and say, we don't need to worry about the environment, I think would be a massive mistake. And you also look at how there are um, opportunities for the government and for the lay party to create loads of jobs in these new industries. So things like electric battery production, looking at uh, creating new cars, renewable power, Actually, for a lot of these communities across the country that used to have industrialized jobs, they provide an opportunity to kind of create well-paid jobs for the future.
1: Um, yeah, that does seem like that would obviously be a vote winner, but I think Keir's rode back a bit on his some of his climate commitments that he made previously because obviously the finances have changed a bit in the past year, haven't they? But in the Times today, there is a report that no is supposed to talk about in the mirror, but I'll mention the Times, this is a good one. <laughs> There's a report saying that Rishi Sunak just isn't interested in environmental policies. He's not against it. He's just not particularly interested. Now, John, is that because he can afford to move continent quite easily if it gets too hot? Is it because he'd be out of power by the time any of this hits and someone else can fix it? Or is it because he takes a helicopter to go to Dover when there's a perfectly good train line? I
0: think it's a combination of all three, but clearly doesn't have an interest in this. Remember when we had that COP summit in Glasgow and we had leaders all around the world coming to the UK. Boris Johnson, to be honest, did seem quite interested, did see this as an opportunity for the UK to kind of do something on the world stage and bring about change. For all of the criticism you can make about Boris Johnson, he did seem personally quite interested in this and thought this was part of his legacy. But other people who were very senior in the government, people like Rishi Sunak, who was chancellor at the time, people like Liz Truss, didn't really seem to have much of an interest in it at all. And you look at that at the very start of when Rishi Sunak became prime minister last, when was it? September, October? It was. Was it September was it October? It's one of the two. October. October. September
1: was the era of Liz Truss.
0: Exactly. And um, one of the first things were there was the COP summit, the next one in Egypt. And Rishi Sunat, they would say, oh, no, 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 Rishi Sunat's not going to bother to go to that. And in the end, he did get shamed into going to that. But he clearly wasn't very enthusiastic about it.
1: No, I think it's because the king went along, wasn't it? always going to make a statement to,
0: to go or the king wanted to go and then number ten said, no, 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 you can't go. that would be seen to getting involved in politics. and then that is what shame for in the end into going very quickly. I think he was there for a few hours if that
1: yeah, basically the, I mean, the king well <clears throat> somebody leaked that the king was unhappy because he'd been told what to do, but he was being a good king and doing what he was told to do. and that in in itself, Reverse the decision, which meant he was no longer told what to do. That's what waiting 70 years for the job gets you. Absolute skills. Now, um, there's <laughs> there are low traffic neighbourhoods, uh, efficiency targets for landlords to be more energy efficient, packaging taxes and retailers. They're all talking about dropping these as being too expensive, um, but they would all do something to help. Uh, But keep reading the paper. NADA's uh, stuff is sort of required reading if you want to keep up to date on these things. All these things might appeal to a Tory base, but whether and Jacob Rees-Mogg's personal fantasies, but whether or not it appeals to everybody else, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Now, we've got two minutes before I have to dash. So we have found some good news. Oh, it's good-ish news. It's better. It's better than the stuff we've just heard anyway. It's good news. And here it is. Now, if you (laughs) wait for the government uh, of any party to fix all this, you'll probably be waiting for quite a while. But there is something you can do right now. And too often, saving the planet seems like a bit of a sacrifice and it's always a bit thankless task, but not anymore. So the Planetary Health Diet Index, whoever they are, has looked at foods that stop you getting cancer and found they're also the foods that help the planet. A study of 100,000 Americans found that foods that are based on plants and grains were lower risk for carcinogens and less harmful to the planet as well. So John, they're suggesting a new diet system where your food's actually rated for how kind it is to the environment. Is this proof, do you think, that what's good for you can be good for everyone?
0: I mean, in it, it says that eating grains and fruit are good for you and eating processed food and red meat, that's not so good for you. I think most people know that as common sense. Um, but how, <laughs> um, I don't know, if you were just uh, eating grains and fruit, you might be um, doing quite well health-wise, but I think you might be pretty miserable if that was all
1: <laughs> th- This would be truly good news if they found a way to keep Jaffa Cakes tasting exactly as Jaffa Cakes taste, which is like crack cocaine, right. uh, and, and yet yeah, made it environmentally friendly, and the plastic packaging of course, uh, to be biodegradable stuff like that. That will be even the best news. We could all go out and eat more Jaffa Cakes. I only eat them because they're a tax dodge. Um, right. Thank you, everybody, for taking part. Thank you, John, for explaining all that to us. Um, if you're listening on podcast, please leave us a review so other people can find us. Um, and maybe we can all just keep our fingers crossed that they will get round to making aviation fuel more sustainable and Jaffa Cakes more Better for your risks of cancer and so on. I don't think they do give you cancer. They're 8% orange juice. There's one of your five a day. Go and have one. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for taking part. And we will see you again on Wednesday for another edition of the News Agenda Explained. Till then, tatty bye.